So today we are continuing our state series where we're taking this time to recognise that God is the master craftsman, that God has this amazing ability to see each of us at the beginning of our lives and to be able to say, you are a masterpiece, and to be able to see the purpose that he created us for and the difference that we can make in the world. And we've been using this acronym, SHAPE, Spiritual Gifts, Heart, Abilities, Personality and Experiences to be able to unpack what that looks like mentioned throughout the series that uh, we attribute all of this to Rick Warren from Saddleback Church. He's the one who came up with all of this originally. Um, we're grateful for the work that he did to put it all together. So, so far we have talked about spiritual gifts, recognising that spiritual gifts are gifts that God gives us to be able to use for spiritual purposes, so in a ministry context. And our spiritual gifts help us to understand the sorts of things that we do when we choose to get involved in God's work. We then talked about our heart and our passions, recognising that God shapes us by the things that we love and the things that drive us crazy. And so those two things, God wants us to lean into that because that really helps us to understand why we get involved in the things that we do and the spaces that are going to motivate us to be able to make a difference. And then last week we spent some time talking about our abilities and we looked at the parable of the talents to be able to unpack a little bit about the recognition that God wants us to partner with him. God gives us opportunities to be able to use the talents and the abilities uh, that he's given us to be able to make a difference. And so as we begin today's message, I want to ask you to reflect on this question. If you were to sum up in one word the most important thing that God wants us to do, what would it be? So you're only allowed to pick one word. If you were to pick that, what would it be? Some of us might say, serve. So to serve God and to serve the people around us is the most important thing for us to do. Some of us might say to worship God is the most important thing, or to honour God. Some of us might say to obey God is the most important thing that we can do. This is a really important question, because as we continue to unpack our shape, the danger is that it becomes all about us. And we forget that all of us are a part of what God's big dream is, of what God's kingdom is, and that all of us ultimately fall under what God wants us to be doing. We have to be careful that as we think about how we're shaped, that we don't lose sight of the bigger picture of what God's passion and heart is for us. And so this passage that we're going to look at today helps us to dig into that a little bit. And the background of this passage is that Jesus has had a few religious leaders who've been challenging him. They're getting a little bit tired of Jesus gaining popularity and uh, Jesus being able to seemingly bring a crowd together and have a bunch of people who are starting to turn away from religious practices and starting to follow this Jesus character. And so a few of the religious leaders come to challenge him with some really, really tricky questions. And Jesus manages to school them very effectively and shut those conversations down. But that's the context in which this question is then asked by one of the religious leaders who's digging into exactly what we're saying. What is the most important thing for us to do. So Mark chapter 12, verse 28. One of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate, so to all of the questions that have just been asked by these other people. He realised that Jesus had answered well, and so he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbour as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. 
So these religious leaders says to Jesus, what's the most important commandment? Now the reason why he's asking this is because in the Jewish law, there are 613 commandments that you need to learn and memorize and live out. There are 365 things not to do, one for each day of the year, and then there are 248 things that you do need to do. And so religious leaders would often spend time debating with each other and having big discussions to be able to say, can we simplify this down at all? Like, out of all of those 613, are there some of them that are maybe a little bit more important? Are there some that allow us to group some together? Because trying to remember 613 laws is pretty hard to be able to do. So that's where this teacher of the law is coming from as he asks Jesus. And Jesus responds by quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And this would have meant something that's very, very familiar to all the people who are listening because as a Jewish person, and this is true today as well, you recite those words twice a day, first thing in the morning and last thing in the evening. It's a reminder to be able to recognise who God is, that God is the one and only God. And so every day when you get up, you would quote those words. And every night, you would quote those words before you go to bed. The book is everything about what you do. So, Jesus says that, which wouldn't come as a big surprise, but what he says next is a massive surprise. Because you would think that Jesus would say, God is the one and only God, and therefore you must think about what you would expect the next word to be there. You would expect Jesus to say, and you must serve God, the one and only God. Well, God is the one and only God, and you must honour God. Well, God is the one and only God, and you must fear God. Well, God is the one and only God, and you must obey God. We talked about it at the start. But Jesus says this amazingly controversial thing. He says, God is the one and only God, and you must love God. That's staggering when you think about all of the other things that Jesus could have said to finish that sentence. Jesus says that love is the biggest, most defining characteristic of our relationship with God. Not power, not obedience, not fear, not anything else. Love is the defining characteristic of our relationship with God. And just to drive that point home, Jesus then makes sure that we understand that we're to love God with every single part of who we are. And so he uses these four different parts of us to be able to unpack that further. Our heart, our soul, our mind, and strength. Our heart, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, is our motivation and our passions. Our soul is our spirituality, that part of us that's created to connect with something bigger than ourselves. Our mind is our intellect and our thoughts, and then our strength is our actions and our words, the energy that we use to do the things that we do. So Jesus is saying, love God with all of those parts of who you are. But also, Allow love to feed into all of those things. So allow love to shape your passions and your motivations. Allow love to be the determining reason why you do the things that you do. Allow love to feed into your spirituality. Spirituality is not supposed to be just this dry set of practices that we go through by groups. Spirituality is supposed to be infused with love as an opportunity to go deeper in our relationship with God. Allow love to feed into your mind, into the way that you think, into the way that you interpret things, into the way that you process decisions. Allow love to feed into your strength, 
into your actions, into your words, into all of the things that you do. Jesus says there's only one God, and what he wants from you is to love him in every part of who you are. Jesus isn't quite finished yet. He takes that a step further, and he then quotes from Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, where he says, and love your neighbour as you love yourself. Basically saying, treat other people the way that you would want to be treated. The sense of love that you crave from other people, give that to the people that you interact with. And it's fascinating to recognise that Jesus ties these two things together. And when Jesus is asked this question, what's the most important thing to do? He says, love God and love people. That's what we need to focus on. He doesn't say these are the most important things. He says this is the most important commandment. Love God and love people. One is a complete extension of the other. We've talked many times before about interpreting this as one of the most helpful questions to be able to ask ourselves in any given situation, which is what is the most loving thing to do? Jesus is really saying is in any situation that you go into, in your relationship with God, in your relationships with other people, What's the most loving thing to do? What's the best outcome that coming out of that? That's what God wants from us. Another way that I've always been able to think through what the implications of this are is to say every day, my goal is simply this, to get up and say, how can I love God more than I did yesterday? And how can I love the people around me more than I did yesterday? If I do that, that's all that God wants from me. Recognising that then tomorrow, I strive to do that even better. And the day after I strive, and the day after I strive again to be able to love God more and to love people more. That's the journey of our lives. To continue to discover what love looks like, to continue to discover what it looks like to invest in a love relationship with God and in our relationships with the people around us. So verse 32, the teacher of religious law then replies to Jesus and says, Well said, teacher. So Jesus was happy that he got a tick mark from the teacher of the law. You have spoken the truth by saying that there's only one God and no other. And I know it's important to love him with all my heart and all my understanding and all my strength and to love my neighbour as myself. This is more important than to offer all of the burnt offerings and sacrifices required in the law. Realising how much that he understood, Jesus said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. <laughs> I bet they didn't. So this religious leader quotes back to Jesus and says, this is what I hear you saying. Love God, love people. And that's actually more important than any of the religious practices that we as Jewish leaders often focus on. It's more important than sacrifices, it's more important than offerings. Now that's not to say those things aren't important. He says that loving God and loving people is more important. But again, love should infuse what we do with our offerings, our sacrifices, with our religious practices. And so Jesus says to him, absolutely. And he says these amazing words, you're not far from the kingdom. The kingdom is understood as God's dream for humanity, life the way that it's supposed to be. And Jesus says, that's exactly right. If you can live that out, if you can focus on loving God and loving people, then you're not far from experience all that God created us to experience every day. That's what the kingdom is all about. So, Jesus says, love God with every part of who we are. Love the people around us. 
But how does all of this fit into our shape and the idea of our personalities? Well, personalities aren't just, sorry, the way that we're shaped isn't just the things that we do. So we can think about our shape as just maybe spiritual gifts and our abilities and all those sorts of things. But we are also shaped by our personalities, by how we're wired internally. Our personality actually affects how we use our gifts and our abilities. Our personality affects how we are around other people. Our personality affects the ways in which we make decisions. Our personalities affect how we use our time. Our personality affects what energises us, gives us the ability to do more. And our personality affects when we feel most at home, when we feel most ourselves. And there are no right or wrong personalities. There are just different personalities. No personality types are better or worse than the other. They're just different. So we're going to dig in a little bit around some different personality types. And I want to say there are lots and lots of different personality tests that you can do. And I've done a lot of them over the years. So I know what my Myers-Briggs personality type is, which some of you might have done. So I'm an INTJ. Some of you would say yes. Well, that explains a lot. Some of you don't have a clue what that means whatsoever, but that's okay. So Myers-Briggs is really great. Uh, there's another thing called the Enneagram, which has become more popular over the last 10, 15 years, and that's really awesome as well. Uh, there's another resource that's called Strengths Finder. That's really fantastic too. And all of them are really, really helpful. So we're going to talk about one way of understanding our personalities, but it's not to say any of those are invalid or aren't any good. In actual fact, the more that we understand about how we're wired, the more effective we can often be. So if you want to dig into your personality type more, there's lots of ways of being able to do that. <coughs> but what I wanted to do today was to use these four categories that Jesus gives us as a way of understanding what our personality types might be. Now, I want to preface this by saying what I've already said, that this is Jesus saying he wants, uh, that God wants us to love him with every part of who we are, our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. But each one of us is wired a little bit differently to lean into one or other of those in more deeper ways. And some of us resonate more with loving God with all of our heart, or our mind, or our soul, or our strength. And so that's what we're going to talk through a little bit. So if you're a heart person, we might call you a dreamer in a positive sense, not in a negative way. So if you're a heart person, then you're someone who is enthusiastic. You're someone who's optimistic. You're someone who's super creative. You're someone who can see lots and lots of different options. That when you sit in a conversation and you start talking about the future, that energises you because you can see all of the different ways that things can play out. And you love being a part of conversations where you can dream about what the future looks like. You love having those sorts of conversations. You can be very persuasive because of your creativity and you can have a huge impact through that. So if you're a heart person, a dreamer, God wants you to love him with every part of who you are. And each of these personality types actually taps in a little bit to who God is. But we recognise that God is a dreamer, that God is this incredibly creative God. God is the one who spoke creation into existence. God is the one who gives us rainbows and taste buds and sunsets. God's incredibly creative. Just look around the room. God's a very creative God in the way that he puts things together. And so if you're wired this way, you're someone who taps into God's creative heart. You can see unlimited possibilities and potential around you. And that's a beautiful thing. So leaning into that side of who you are is something that's really, really important. You can also understand how this relates in the way that you love other people. 
because you're a huge gift to the people around you, because you are creative. You can see all sorts of different options. You inspire people by being able to share the sorts of dreams that you've got for what the future can look like. You help to take people from this place where we are right now to say, look at all of the different ways that we could go from here. That's a part of you expressing your love for others. So, some of you might be thinking to yourself, yes, that makes sense. I'm a heart person. I'm a dreamer. Some of you might think of yourselves as soul people. And I would call you feelers. So, you're people who tap very much into what's going on and how people are feeling around you. You're people who are very patient and very kind and very caring. You're people who love to come alongside of others and to be able to support. You love to support from the background. You don't like being an upfront person. You love to just come alongside in behind the scenes and help people out to meet them where they are. You're generally really good listeners and you're people who are peacemakers. You love creating peace. It's partly because you hate conflict, but you love seeing everything at peace. You love things that are calm. So once again, if this is your personality type, you can understand that this really taps into God's heart. Now God, one of the ways that we talk about God regularly, is as a shepherd who cares for his sheep. It's the picture that God has for us, that he loves us, he wants to care for us, he cares about how we're feeling. And so when you choose to do that, you're reflecting God's pastoral heart. You're people who love to create peace. And we know that that's God's, God's heart for us as well. To live in peace-filled relationships where things are the way that they're supposed to be. So that desire that you have is something that's a reflection of God's heart. And so you can lean into God to catch even more of that, to see how you can make a difference. And then in the ways that you love the people around you, you also have the opportunity to have a huge impact because you're great listeners. People love to sit with you because they just say you're so good at being able to listen. And sometimes you feel like you haven't done anything, but that's a really significant thing for lots and lots of people. Being able to just understand where someone is coming from, being able to allow them to share what's going on for them is really important. And being someone who cares about calm, peace-filled situations is something that's a huge gift, especially in the world that we're living in. The third category is mind people. So we call you thinkers. You're people who are very analytical, you're people who are very precise, you're people who are very organised, love to get things organised in place, you're very objective, so you're able to step back and not be affected by emotions and much of other things, but you're able to say, this is the objective best decision for us to make here. You're people who are dependable and you have an incredible work ethic. And so once again, you tap into the heart of God. Because God is a God of order. Yes, God is incredibly um, creative, but God brings order out of chaos. God puts the world together so that it works. God puts our bodies together so that they work, so that they work. And you're people who can see how things work. You can see patterns that help to be able to give us an insight into the way that things are supposed to go. You're people who are organised. God loves things, getting organised and being able to move forward in an orderly way. Your objective, you're able to step back reflect God's heart to be able to say, what is the best way forward? It isn't affected by just all the noise that's around us. Generally, what is the best way forward? You're a hard worker, and that reflects God's heart for us, to be people who are diligent in what he's given us to do. You're also a huge gift to the people around you, and the 
way that you can love people is by helping them to get organised. Especially people who are disorganised. You're really, really amazing kids to be able to help people get on track, to be able to say, well, if we just put this in place and this in place, then things can be streamlined and things can move forward. You are people who get things done and come along in different situations and just make stuff happen. And that's a really, really huge gift because not everyone is wired that way. The people who can bring an objectivity, which is really, really crucial, to be able to step back. So let's just take a moment and look at all the information in front of us and be able to say, this is the best decision for us to make, to be able to move forward. And then the fourth category is strength people. And we'll call you doers. The people who are results and goal-oriented, the people who can be very direct because you know what you want, you know how you want to get it done, you love to make decisions. You love to be able to cast vision and say, let's go and let's move forward. These are the next steps that we need to be able to take as we do that. And again, you're wired to reflect God's heart in that. God doesn't want us to just stay where we are. God has a vision for what each one of us can do with our lives. God has a picture of what he wants us to be able to do as a church. God has a picture of what our society and culture can can look like. God wants us to move forward into that. Your reflection of God's heart as you continue to understand. Let's just take the next step. What's the next thing to do and the next thing to do and the next thing to do? We've talked about that's at the core of what discipleship is all about. And so you can lean into God's heart as you lean into your personality type. And then in terms of the way that you love people, you can inspire people because you can give a sense of vision and a picture of what the future can hold, but also bring clarity about what the next thing is to do. To be able to say, let's go get this. Let's go get this together. So, for all of us, we are wired different ways. And as you've gone through that, you've probably been thinking to yourself, well, I probably reflect this one more than this one. And you probably might be thinking of some other people as well. That explains a whole lot about why that person is wired the way that they are. And that's a really good thing to be able to do as well. This week, you are going to have an exercise, we'll give you that in a moment, to be able to do where you can dig into this a little bit more, to be able to discover more about what your personality type might be and some of the personality traits that you might have. But stepping back again, the point of all of this is to say that God wants us to love Him with every part of who we are, including the way that we're wired, including the way that our personalities are wired, the way that God has wired us to be able to see the world, the things that give us energy, the ways that we interact with other people, that's all a part of how God's wired us. He wants us to love Him with every part of who we are and to use that to express our love for the people around us. So, I want to give you a couple of minutes to be able to just reflect on that. And we use this question to be able to think that through. How does God shape my personality to experience and share His love? So that's the what we've talked about so far. What's kind of coming top of mind for you? For some of us, it might be a real challenge to go back to what we said at the beginning, that God's first and major priority for us is love. That could be a challenge in terms of our perceptions of what God wants from us and how God sees us. So it might be helpful for you to do a little bit of reflecting about that. That God's major priority is not service, it's not obedience, it's not fear, it's love. So what are the implications of that? For some of us, it might be helpful to think about this idea of am I letting love shape my heart 
soul, my mind, and my strength? Am I allowing love to shape my motivations, to shape my spirituality, to shape the way that I think, to shape the things that I do? How much is love infused in each of those different areas of my life? And for some of us, it might be helpful just to think a bit more about those personality types and to say, what are my initial thoughts? Maybe which one do I feel like I am leaning towards? And what are the implications about that in terms of the way that I love God and the way that I love the people around me? So take a couple of minutes and drop some thoughts down and talk to the person next to you. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on that? And we'll come back and we'll give you your next steps exercise for this week. Think about what you think the right answer is. 
just what resonates the most for you. None of the statements are wrong, so we can't pick a wrong statement. It's just what resonates the most for you. And so try and be uh, as honest with yourself as you can on that. As you are then reading about the different personality types, one of the things I want to say is be really, really careful because one of the reasons that I have hesitated about personality types is because it does end up boxing people. So I have been in situations before where people would say, well, you're just like this because you are an INTJ, using that as one example, or because you're an extrovert or because you're an introvert or because you're white this way, whatever. That's the only reason that you're being like you are. And it's very, very frustrating. So the point of this is not to limit who we are, but to help us to have a greater sense of understanding about who we are. And so my suggestion would be that once you know which one your personality type is, that you go through and you just pick which statements you would say, yes, that actually, I agree with that. That makes a lot of sense. And some of the statements might not be true. That in particular is going to be true if two of the personality types end up having a fairly similar score. So if you score fairly similar on two of them, you might find that some of the statements from one most resonate with you and some from another most resonate with you. There is also a list of other personality types that you can um, look up if you want to. So this idea of breaking people into four different categories of personalities is a fairly common way of understanding the way that we're wired. And so you'll see that there are a whole bunch of different words that are also used for heart, soul, mind and strength, as we've talked about for today, uh, in all sorts of different ways. And so if you want to waste a lot of time this week, once you have done your uh, test and you know what your results are, start Googling. I promise you there's an unlimited amount of information out there for you to find out more about what your personality type is. <laughs> if you have any issues with it or you want to chat about it, and as usual, please feel free to get in contact with me. I'm happy to help out in whatever way uh, that you need. But then once you've done it, at the end there's some questions for you to reflect on. And this is really the most important part of it, is to be able to say, now that I understand a little bit more about my personality, what are the implications of that? in terms of how I'm wired, in terms of how I interact with other people, in terms of what other people need to know about when I'm at my best. And then there's questions we've talked about today, the implications about how this helps you to love God more and how this helps you to express God's love in your relationships with other people. So take some time to be able to do that through this week. And uh, then next week we are going to give you your summary sheet as we wrap things up and talk about our experiences. So keep that somewhere, hopefully with all of the other ones that you've done. And uh, if you don't have any of the others and you want to catch up on them, come see me and I'll be happy to give you those. Uh, but hopefully starting to see some things start to round up as you understand more about the chat. So let's pray and we'll transition to community. God, we do thank you that your heart for us is all about love. That at the end of the day, you created us for a relationship with you. You didn't create us so that we could be your servants. You didn't create us so that we could be in fear of you. You created us because you wanted us to be a part of your family. And love has always been your motivation in everything that you've done. So we thank you for this challenge, Jesus, that you give us again today about recognising that the biggest thing for us to focus on is how much we love God and how much we love people. And pray that as we step into this week, you know, we help us to wrestle with what that looks like, to every day get up and say, what does it look like for me to love God a little bit more today, to love the people that I interact with a little bit more today, to keep seeing how that plays out. We thank you that you want us to do that with every part of who we are, 
but also that that helps us to understand a little bit more about the specific ways in which you have wired us. And all of us connect with you, God, in different ways, and all of us connect with other people in different ways. So thank you that you don't want conformity from us, that you don't ask us to all be the same and to all act the same. You want us to understand what that looks like so that we can lean into it and bring our best into our relationship with you and our relationship with the people that we interact with. So as we head into this week, we pray that you continue to help us to understand more about how you have created us, about what our shape is, and we need to that. continue to motivate us about what it looks like to be people who are inspired by your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.